Hello, St. Louis. This is your host, Brian Bisking, and this is the STL Leaders Podcast. Did you know that there are 2.8 million people that live in the St. Louis metro area? There are many leaders inside of that population. I started this podcast to give those leaders a voice. I was raised by one of those leaders. My father is a small business owner in Edwardsville, Illinois, and I grew up watching him be a leader in many ways to the people of our great city. The impact that him and other leaders have on our communities are instrumental. St. Louis has long been called the gateway to the West. This community has a large impact in many ways to other parts of this great country, but it has an even larger impact on all of us. The STL Leaders Podcast mission is to speak to the leaders of our area to gain insight into their story, their journey, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Each episode gives you inside access to the people who make St. Louis what it is today and what it will be in the future. Listen as we dive into what makes each leader so impactful and how they view success, mindset, and leadership. This podcast is brought to you by Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, and Inbound Blend Digital Marketing. Hello, St. Louis. This is your host of STL Leaders, Brian Bisking. And on this episode, we have Krister Ungerbach. Krister is a leadership language expert, former global tech CEO and author. His work has appeared in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc., HR.com, and Chief Executive. Prior to exiting corporate life at the age of 42, Krister was the CEO of one of the largest family-owned software companies in the world. While leading the company to over 3,000% growth, his team created $100 million in shareholder value, won five top workplace awards, achieved remarkable employee engagement at levels of 99.3%, and became a dominant player in its market niche, event management software. Krister is the author of the upcoming book, 22 Talk Shifts, Tools to Transform Leadership in Business, in Partnership, and in Life. It's my honor to welcome Christopher to the show. Christopher, thanks for coming on today, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your wisdom with our many listeners. Brian, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from launch, so things are starting to heat up. So. Yeah, well, you know, I, Matthew Porter, I got to give him a shout out real quick. He's the one who you introduced us, and I was able to, you know, rearrange the, the podcast um, schedule to get you on because I wanted to get you on before the release of your new book, and I'm excited to talk to you about it today. Uh, yeah. I've watched your YouTube video uh, that you have out there, and you know we'll give a, a plug for that here in a little bit. But um, you're a dynamic speaker, and I think you got a lot of wisdom to share with our viewers, and so I'm excited to dive in. Well, it was it was definitely wisdom that was hard fought to find. So, <laughs> well, let's, yeah, well, I think let's let's dive into that. So, you know, obviously I I've, I got a little background on you, but why don't you give a little background on yourself to our listeners on you know, what it was like to be the CEO of your organization and how you transitioned kind of out of that role and what that story is for our listeners. Yeah, so uh, let's say my, my, when I was 19 years old, my dream was I wanted to build one $1 billion company in my life. And uh, I set about doing that for some other people. And my father called me in 1997 and said, hey, you got to join the family business because we've got some big problems with a big project in Hong Kong. So I quit my job, uh, you know, in Chicago and moved back to St. Louis. Um, as many people do, you know, we all get sucked back no matter how hard we try to leave. Yep. Uh, and, um, and so we started and the company was struggling. We were less than a million dollars in 1997, you know, kind of break even, maybe losing a little bit of money. And we turned the company around and in the three years following, we grew 300%. 
And uh, so we went on to build this uh, global, you know, really global powerhouse that is actually kind of a secret in St. Louis because we have 99.9% of our customers are from outside of St. Louis. So we really have no need to actually have a high profile image uh, except for recruiting here in St. Louis. And so about four years ago, I mean, it was a family business. And as often happens in family businesses, a first generation founder, uh, aging, uh, and then a young, you know, young son who wants to kind of rule the world. Uh, we, we had a lot of conflict. And, uh, ultimately after 20 years of trying and trying everything, coaches, I, I just gave up. And I, I went to him and I asked him, uh, you know, will you, I, I want to buy you out. Uh, had the financing lined up and he came back about 24 hours later, um, with my brothers and said, you know what? There's really no price at which we would sell you the company. And, and so I said, you know, that I'm going to, if that's the case, then it's time for me to move on and, uh, and find something else. And then two weeks later, my wife walked out on me. So I had walked out on the CEO job of the company that I'd helped build and love. Um, and then I, I, I found myself at the YMCA signing up for a gym membership. And they asked me, who's your emergency contact? And I broke down crying because I had no one. And I realized when I was looking in the mirror at the YMCA that I had spent all my life trying to become a great leader reading. I mean, I started reading business books when I was 12 years old. I mean, I read hundreds of business books before I was even 17 years old. You know, more than some people read an entire lifetime. And there I was, age 42, looking in the mirror at the YMCA, at the leader that I'd become, a leader with no followers. And I just said, what, what, what did I miss? I went to the right business schools and... So I set aside all the business books and all the business education. I looked outside of the business world for four years. I probably spent like a quarter of a million to half a million dollars just on like coaches and really like, what is the secret that I've been missing all these years? And ultimately I found it. And I found it not by looking in the traditional business sources, but by kind of surrounding myself with these kind of woo woo and uh, somewhat new age people that I would have judged as far out back when I was CEO. Uh, and then now I just call them people from California. <laughs> the, uh, and so what, what, what a, a big, because I was going through a kind of a marital divorce at the same time, a lot of the people that I saw in these rooms and these workshops, you know, I mean, this is like, imagine like, you know, like the singing bowls and smoke and sage and like, you know, dancing in the woods. Yeah. Like this is what I was doing. Like, and I, but I didn't like go off the deep end and join a cult, right? I was there like with my CEO hat the whole time. Like, what is it? from this world that we can take away and I can apply the CEO lens that I can bring it back to the businesses, but not just any business. Uh, you know, Bob Chapman here in St. Louis, his impact, his, his, you know, CEO of Fairway Miller yeah. had a big impact on me. I had written our uh, mission statement before I met Bob and it was really about using business as a vehicle to transform the lives of our employees. And I, I met Bob after his TED talk and I saw, wow, that's their mission too. Mm -hmm. And so this mission behind with his book was really how can we use business, specifically business communication and leadership communication as a tool to transform 10 million marriages, leaders, and lives. And uh, what I found on the journey you know, many times I ended up like, so two people happen to be like, uh, St. Louis marriage therapists. Uh, coincidentally, they have about 75 years of marriage counseling, uh, amongst them. And I asked the woman, I said, what are the things that women say on your couch over and over and over again for the last 30, 40 years? And she told me these five or six phrases. And what struck me is that four out of those five phrases 
were exactly the same words that employees say when they're frustrated by their boss. And so it really, it really encouraged me that there is this unified language that um, the language that can make for happier employees can also make for happier lives or happier marriages. And that was really the kind of the deeper purpose behind why I wrote the book. Yeah, well, let's dive in a little bit even deeper on the book. I, you know, when, from a leadership standpoint, I think you made a really good point there is we try, we strive so hard to be great leaders of our organization. Um, and what I, what I see and what I, from talking to several leaders on this podcast is sometimes it's hard to balance your work as well as your home life, right? And so we work so hard to be a good leader of our organization, to drive revenue, to make our employees happy. And sometimes things at home start to lack. And so your book is, 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 a, is a piece to, that some leaders are missing. So talk to me a little bit more about what that piece is. And, you know, talk to me about the talk shift assessment that you and I discuss and how all that ties yeah. into being a good leader. Well, so, so here's the quick way to get enter into the content is to go to talkshift.com slash quiz. There's a free quiz. We have over 150,000 data points right now. And what we're learning from the quiz is that, um, is that we're able to predict with a fair degree of accuracy whether people have a frustrating relationship in their life based upon the answers to these questions on the quiz. And here's the important point. The answer, the question, the quiz asks you about your communication. So based upon your responses about your communication, we're able to predict whether you have a frustrating relationship. Now, usually we think uh, the reason that we have a frustrating relationship is the other person's words. But the talk show quiz is predicting that you have a frustrating relationship based upon yours. Mm. So that gives us hope that maybe, maybe, maybe our frustrating, the frustration at work and at home is more a function of our words than theirs. Yeah. And if we can change our words, then, then we can fix these things. So, a big part of the book, I mean, there, there's some very straight up leadership kind of scripts. You know, talk shifts are really fill in, the, fill in the blanks phrases, provocative questions and exercises. So they're really prescriptive. I, I think like training wheels. If you want to have a conversation about micromanagement or autonomy, go to talkshift.com slash nine. And there's specific scripts that an employee could use with their boss to have a conversation about the degree of autonomy or a boss could have with their teams about the degree of autonomy that they give people. And then there's other ones that actually cross over. Uh, the book's organized into like, you know, the essentials. Uh, part two is the leader shifts, which are a little bit more business oriented. And then the last part of the book, which I believe is the most powerful, is called the partnerships. And partner for me is being someone who grew up in a family business and led a family business. I don't see, I don't see a difference between leading in the context of family and leading in the context of a company. Because if you're the CEO of a family company that's so, you know, sizable, sizable global business, there, you have to be the leader of both. And yeah. so that was partly the bridge that I felt that I was in a unique position to kind of bridge the gap because I, that's kind of the life that I led. Yeah. Um, and it, ultimately, I led it uh, the family side. I led it unsuccessfully. The business side was very successful. But then the last element is that uh, after 2001, I, I opened businesses in France and Germany. So I ha actually had to learn to lead in French and German. So this language aspect, I wanted to bring it down to very simple language tools. And uh, a big part of what I found is that the way I learned French and German, business French and German quickly, I integrated a lot of those uh, techniques that those best business French and German teachers used um, with me, I integrated those techniques in giving people tools 
that they can use, like, you know, again, simple fill-in-the-blanks phrases. So where it comes to the crossover between employees and, and family, there are some, pretty, I think, fairly unique insights into how to create emotional connection. Um, that, that, and, and creating emotional connection while the words, like if, if you go and ask uh, marriage counselors, they'll give you words and phrases that you probably won't feel comfortable using in an office setting. Right. Part of what I intended to do with the book was to take some of those tools that I learned on the journey and then translate them into phrases that could be used both in a family setting and in an office setting to create emotional connection and understand emotional intelligence at a deeper level. Um, so there's kind of three or four chapters around em practical skills around emotional intelligence uh, that you wouldn't necessarily learn in the traditional writing about emotional intelligence. No, I think I, I'm excited for the book to come out. W when's the release of the book? Do you have a release date yet? It'll be October 6th. October 6th. So uh, right right when this episode airs. So that'll that'll be awesome. I think, you know, it's it's there's you can read leadership books all the time on on being a leader in your business. And I think what's really cool about your book and really cool about your experience is tying leadership together between your business and your home life. And um, I think as leaders, we, you know, all of us need that. Talk to me about, well, I think no, go ahead. there's one thing I wanted to mention about that is that like, you know, often I find business leaders like, why would I want to train my employees on this? And here's what happens is like, there, there's two things that we want people to change. Like, say you got a toxic boss or somebody who's a top performer, but really kind of, you know, rubs their people, you know, runs their people a little bit too hard, right? You know, so this is a typical problem, right? Yeah. And we want that person to change. Well, the reality is, is they have a style that's made them successful. So they need to have one, tools that make it easy for them to change. Like I was that aggressive, hard charging, run my people hard leader, right? So mm -hmm. first I need tools to make it change easier. And tools that I believe are proven based on somebody who's actually been a successful CEO. But the most important thing, and this is the part that never happens, is I need a desire to change. Yes. And the desire to be more successful in business is a strong desire. But if you take that desire and you couple it with the loss of connection and possible for divorce or loss of connection with children, and you stack that on top, of the desire to be successful, now you have the one, two, three punch of tools to make it easier, proven by someone who knows that it can work, and three, the actual desire, the reason why you're doing it to make it to to make the change. Absolutely, no, I think um, I think those are great, great and valid points. Talk to me how COVID has impacted you this last year. Um, you know, I've had several guests on who we've, we've we've talked about the pandemic and how they've navigated through these times. Talk to me how about how it's impacted you and how do you think it's impacted just the leaders here in our community in St. Louis? I think admittedly I I am I am very thankful that the book got delayed. Uh, it was supposed to be published about a year ago, um, but I pulled it back and rewrote it one more time. Uh, I joke, say, why write five books when you can rewrite one five times until you get it right? <laughs> and um, but I pulled it back a week. Uh, in fact, my uh, my original manuscript deadline was March twentieth, which is kind of like four days after the you know, the NFL or uh, the, the NBA kind of to stop season or whatever. Yeah. And I, the thing is, I've seen for the first time ever senior executives, like really like um, having a desire to be more compassionate and empathetic towards employees that I've never seen before. Uh, and given that these tools, the 22 talk shifts, many of them, probably about half of them, a third of them are tools to create 
you know, really conversation templates to have more empathy and compassion and create emotional connection. So I, honestly, I don't think this book would have been nearly successful a year ago as, as it will be now, given kind of the state of the world. Yeah, well, you know, you bring up a valid point there. I, I had Jim Lally on the uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago uh, with Enterprise uh, Bank, and he talked a lot about how when the pandemic hit in March, you know, he just wanted his employees to know that he was there for him. And he didn't think an email or a phone call sufficed. And so he said he had his kids actually do a video of him talking to his employees. And because he thought it was important for them to see his face and his body language when he was when he was talking to him. And I thought that was a great piece of advice is that sometimes to be a leader, you got to think outside the box. And I think right now, employees need to know that uh, they got the support system that they need with inside the organization. And I think, you know, to your point, leaders need uh, different ideas and different ways to, to manage this time. And I think, you know, a great timing for your book to come out is as we go into really the fourth quarter here of the year. Uh, so much uncertainty of, you know, vaccines and so much uncertainty of the election and what's 2021 going to bring and are we going to get back to normal, all those types of things. And I think your book ha can bring some uh, great insight to these leaders to navigate through the next three months. Well, I can tell you one thing that 2021 is probably highly likely based on the research is going to bring is going to be a very large spike in the divorce rate. Uh, I heard, uh, you know, I heard that after the Chinese came back from quarantine, that there was a, a big spike in the divorce rate. And so we've all been cooped up in our houses with our spouses. I didn't even realize that rhyme. I'm going to write that down. We cooped <laughs> up in our houses with our spouses. And the other thing that every, all, every divorce lawyer will tell you is that January is divorce month. People go through Christmas season and they start thinking about the next year. And so and the last thing that uh, I learned on the journey is that um, women initiate divorce twice as frequently as men. Uh, so men are often surprised. And the challenge is that, um, you know, you look at the whole last year and all, I mean, all the signals point that January is probably going to be one of the largest months uh, for divorce. I, I really ultimately wrote this book. It wasn't about creating better leaders in businesses. It was about creating better leaders in marriages and families. And the reason I wrote it as a business book versus a relationship book is because it's interesting. The top three responses when women take the quiz is I want to improve a relationship with my husband, my child, and my partner. The top three responses for men are coworker, boss, and someone who works for me. So men are constantly, we're, we, and I wasn't one of them. We are so focused on what are we doing at work? What are we doing at work? And yet our wives are at home or whether they work, they're thinking about what about the family? Yeah. And so I wrote a business book that takes a lot of the things that can make us better, help us be better fathers and better husbands. And it's, I call it the, I, I, I once said, everything I learned about leadership, I learned from Mary Poppins. <laughs> the book is a, it's the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down. Cause I don't know about you, but I'm not, I don't think I'm the only guy listening to this who's like going to marriage counseling is about like, there is absolutely no desire to read like a marriage book or uh, go to marriage counseling. And so taking some of those same things and packaging them in a way that helps us create happier employees and happier wives, I hope that we'll be able to uh, have an impact on that kind of uh, uh, on that, on that coming uh, wave. Uh, yeah. Next well, year. well, and I think, um, you know, there's an old saying, happy wife, happy life. There's an old saying that, 
you know, you need your you need your home life to be happy, to just as happy as to make your work life happy. And I think there's obviously a disconnect from just that that statement right there. What what men see and what women see uh, are are very different. And I think anything that that we can do to better our home life um, is just as important as bettering our work life, right? And so I think again, um, great timing for your book to come out. I think it's sad that you know we're going to see such a, a high divorce rate next year, um, but in the same aspect, you know, I think maybe if, if your book comes out and maybe just it changes one person or two people, I mean, that's that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. It's it's changing the lives of others. It's why is I why I started this podcast it was if I can just give um, the St. Louis uh, community a, a voice and the leaders of our community a voice, and it and it impacts one person's life, then I feel I feel good at good good at night when I go to bed, right? And so yeah, um, well, I think is bringing it back to business is also it's like as leaders. You know, especially senior leaders like I was, if somebody had told me, like, there's this looming risk on the horizon that any year in the next 10 years, 50% of your business will disappear overnight. Like, I would invest a little bit of time to mitigate that risk, right? Absolutely. Well, the last time I checked with any divorce lawyer in the country, if you get a divorce, you're going to lose about 50% of your net assets. So maybe spend a little bit of time mitigating that risk. It doesn't take much time. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of skill. Yeah. No, absolutely. A, a very valid point. Very valid point. Hey, talk to me about this video book. We, we discussed this last week when we when we connected. Uh, you talked about how you're creating this video book. I thought it was really intriguing. So give me some insight yeah. on that. So so the I use these talk shifts to transform my relationship with my father. Uh, and so and uh, and what really was the shift came when I read him the book. Uh, he's He's getting old and his eyesight's not great. So I, I, I read it to him aloud. And it was a pretty, it, it sparked some really tough conversations because they're, uh, this is a previous version of the book. There were a lot of stories about him and, you know, my family in there um, that ultimately are, didn't make it into the final version of the book. But, but it really struck me. I was like, wow, I think that this book, if done the right way, could be the catalyst for a shift between two people, whether it's a parent child, a boss and, a, you know, a boss and an employee. Uh, two business partners who have a struggling, you know, uh, relationship, or of course, uh, a husband and wife. And so I said, I want to do a video book. So it's, it's not just me reading to the camera, but the intention is that if two people sit in front of a screen, you know, a television, and they watch these chapters, watch it, and there's, there's, you know, exercises and things like that that are built in, um, that I am nearly certain that no one could go through that whole book and not have uh, a major shift in their relationship because there are 22 talk shifts. Sometimes all it takes is one person uh, taking action on one of these 22 talk shifts to shift the relationship. Yeah. And what we find is that when two people read it, so let's say a boss and an employee, if a boss and employee experience the book together, um, then typically the employee will go to the boss and be like, I'd like you to ex engage more in talk shift number nine, number 13, number like, so I have specific requests for you as my boss leader. And then the boss typically says, well, I would like you to engage in talk shift number 21 and no, no, no. So sure. these are two, typically two different ways. So the, the book can be a framework for two people to transfer form a relationship at work or at home. And, and the video book is the most powerful way to do it in a personal relationship. I, I don't I don't think the video book is necessarily the most powerful way to do it in a work relationship. I think just reading the book or whatever and doing the exercises is probably best for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm excited for the book to come out again. The book comes out on October 6th. This episode will air October 5th. So it comes out tomorrow uh, for the people who are listening to this right now. Um, I definitely tell you to check it out. Uh, but before we get off here, there's two other things I'd like to talk about with you real quick. And, and one is what, what does 2021 look like for you uh, personally? And then what do you think 2021 looks like for us here in St. Louis? What is 21 coming on? I, I don't know if I can really speak to the St. Louis topic. Uh, admittedly, I don't get kind of, uh, I don't get as involved in, as involved in like civic affairs as probably uh, many others who you have on the sure. podcast. But I think for me, my vision, uh, there's a guy named Les Brown who said, shoot for the stars because if you shoot for the moon, because if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And so when I wrote this book, I said, you know, here's my shoot for the moon goal is I want to create the uh, best selling business book of all time. Um, and, uh, so 2021 for me is about doing everything I can to attempt to make that a reality. Yeah. And, uh, if I only hit 10% of that goal, then it'll still be a, a wildly successful and change millions of lives. So, well, I think, you know, just from talking to you twice now and, and having you on the show today, I think, um, I think you got great, um, great aspirations. I think you've got a great future ahead of you with this book. I'm excited to personally read it. Um, hopefully I'll get an autographed copy when we can, we can dive into that even more. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked about even bringing you back on the show sometime next year to talk about, you know, a, a second piece of the book coming out. Um, so for the listeners, stay tuned on that. Um, but I always end this show with the last, this last question I always ask people is to, to give some tangible advice. If you could give our audience some advice today that, that they could, they could leave leave this show with and say, I'm going to apply that to my life. What would that piece of advice be? So the the simplest talk shift in the book is start every one of your questions with the word what or how. Too often when we ask questions, they're actually solutions disguised as questions like, Brian, have you considered advertising the podcast? <laughs> yeah, you know, versus so if you think of as you observe questions in the office, and you ask, think of our own questions, and also with spouses, change every question to start with the word what or how. And you'll have so much more powerful conversations with other people. Like, what, what solutions have you considered? How would you like to solve this problem? You know, what's standing in your way? I mean, there's so many powerful questions that if you start shifting your own questions to start with those two words, um, then uh, you'll have much more powerful conversation. And I, I say that in the book, one of the chapters is called The Secret to Listening is Talking. You know, in software engineering, we say garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you have bad inputs, then you get bad outputs. Uh, in manufacturing, if you have bad raw materials, you're going to have defective products on the outside. Well, in the terms of emotional connection and conversation, the inputs are the questions we ask. Yeah. So if we ask, start asking questions that we're dying to know the answer to, then we'll be more likely to listen to the answers. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a very valuable piece of advice. And uh, again, one of the one of the many talk shifts that's in the book, 22 Talk Shifts. Uh, Christopher, thanks for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate it on behalf of STL Leaders Podcast. We appreciate your time. Again, listeners, if you guys want to check out his book, go to www.talkshift.com. The book comes out on Tuesday, October 6th. Christopher, thanks for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much. I loved it. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by Inbound Blend Digital Marketing. Inbound Blend's job is to help your organization by finding your target audience, crafting an effective message, and delivering it to them in the most cost-effective way possible. Our goal is to generate inbound leads to blend in with your current outbound sales effort. Thank you for listening to this episode 
of the STL Leaders Podcast.